to stand and open our Bibles to Mark 6. Thank you for that special Mark 6. We'll read verses 30 through 32. The Bible says, The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart before you come apart. Right? Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and had no leisure so much as to eat, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight about rest up on the road of life. Life is busy. It is hectic. Take a look here at Christ's ministry. I can't imagine a more hectic life than what the Lord Jesus Christ lived. You're talking about ministering to people, and once his fame had spread abroad, that's why you see often he told people not to speak of his miracles because it was endless. The masses that were seeking him, needing his attention, and the constant preaching. And you have to remember, he was not staying in hotels. These guys were not traveling in cars, motorhomes, air-conditioned vehicles. They weren't jumping as we do from one air-conditioned place to another. And can you imagine traveling by foot the way they did? Just walking the miles that they walked, climbing on boats, dealing with storms. And here's what we see over the past few chapters. It's just endless work, endless ministry. When the disciples come and say to him, the apostles, verse 30, gathered themselves together, and they told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught, Christ realized their need for a moment of rest. And church, I want to talk to you for a minute, a few minutes, briefly about life, its demands, and how do we juggle the responsibilities that we have how do, we, how do we manage family and ministry and school and travel and work? And it just seems like every day becomes busier. The demands are greater with the normal pressures, financial responsibilities, traffic, everything that is demanded. Uh, Pastor, you're going to revival. Now we had a VBS. And how in the world do I juggle these responsibilities and make it happen? Now, I want to say a lot and somehow tonight maintain a balance in what is said. I, I think we have a softer generation. One of the best things you can do is pick up a biography. I would go back several hundred years. I wouldn't just go back a hundred. Go back several hundred years when life was extremely tough. Just putting food on the table and making clothes, and what was done in farming, the early hours, the long physical days of labor. Uh, life has definitely drastically changed. And to accommodate life now, we have softer mattresses, air-conditioned homes, carpeted floors, uh, vehicles to get us around, move us around. Just riding on the back of a horse is enough to wear you out. Riding in a wagon, walking down a dusty road. And I said, Pastor, I don't know anything about it. Thank God that you don't. Amen. Don't believe Miss Julie's lies when it comes to horseback riding, the pleasure that is. These, from a different generation, knew different demands. 
we've simply been made softer. And here's what you want to do. Help your children learn to have a good work ethic. I thank God for the men in this church and the women in this church, the parents in this church that have taught their children to work. I appreciate the work ethic that we see in our high school kids. It's a blessing to have them come and work because you're going to get your money's worth no matter what you pay them. They are a hard-working bunch that's not fearful of the sun or physical labor, and I appreciate that. But life demands that the people know how to work. Teach, teach your children, whether that's young ladies working in the kitchen, uh, learning how to keep a house, uh, young men learning how to mow a yard, paint a wall, uh, change out flooring, gas up a car, push a mower, doesn't matter what it is. Teach them how to work. Now, here's what you do. You say, I don't want them mowing the yard the rest of their life. Put them behind the mower. They may decide they don't want to be behind the mower the rest of their life. Uh, but help them understand the value of, of labor. But in, in these things, you're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the busiest, most demanding schedules. And we're talking about on every side, the emotional demands, the physical demands, and the spiritual demands all in one. And as a Christian, that's what you are dealing with. You say, Pastor, if we didn't have the city to deal with, well, I don't know how we're going to fix that. Because Austin's not shrinking. It's only getting larger. Our highways are only getting more crowded. Our expenses are only going up. So in that, we have to find a way to come to a, a balance and learn how to come apart before we come apart. It's okay. Now, what do I do? Let's, let's talk about life for a minute, time. We have one chance, one life. Here's what we don't want to do. Most of the time, if we truly look at our life and the demands, we're exhausted because we're wasting time on things that truly don't matter. So much of time is spent chasing money or misspent in hobbies and leisure and pleasure that uh, do nothing to add anything to our lives, and they don't even provide true rest. They actually steal sleep. You look at young people in this generation whose days are so mixed up, messed up. We had vacation Bible school, and you have a generation of young people who will game all night long and go to bed in the morning hours. Six, about the time they should be waking up, they're going to bed. Sleeping all day long. Uh, I know people find leisure. I, I, I think if you find leisure in gaming, uh, you've, you've got some problems. Uh, the, the, old, the older you get, the more problems you have. You say, Pastor, those are unkind words. Those are truthful words. Find something that truly allows you to rest and rejuvenate. And let me just throw this in there. When, when we're talking about needed rest, we're talking about all three facets of, of life. The spiritual, the physical, and the emotional. And there's no one way to rest all three of those. Each one of those has different demands. You can rest physically and not rest emotionally. Have you ever laid in bed and your mind didn't rest? 
How many of you ever took a vacation, but your mind didn't take a vacation? We're talking about finding ways to rest, refuel, and rejuvenate physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And here's what Christ said. There are a lot of demands, and all of this is about prioritizing. And priorities have to be shuffled constantly. Look what it says. So he, he tells them, we're going to go to a desert place and rest a while. Why? There were many coming and going. How many of you feel like your life is about coming and going? And people coming and going. Uh, I don't know of another church that hosts, especially not one of our size. I'm sure uh, other churches, First Baptist Hammond, all those larger churches have the same experience. But for church our size, we host, literally, I host people every week of the year, most of the time, every day of the week. And we're feeding someone, we're loaning out a vehicle, we are constantly juggling vehicles, or helping people, uh, someone's coming through town, someone's sticking around. Uh, we've rented this prophet's chamber next door, and rare is the moment, rare is the week that it's actually empty. It, it just feels like, on top of all the busyness that we have here with two churches, uh, two combined uh, intermixing lives between Spanish church and English church and a Christian school and a Bible college, uh, we operate like a large church, but with a backbone of 300 people, which is a, a minor miracle. Uh, to see what we accomplish, but here's what happens. In the midst of that, we have to constantly change priorities. What do you say? What do you mean, preacher? So we're going to go rest, but look what happens. So they depart into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him. They ran afoot thither out of all the cities and outwent them, and they came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, moved with compassion. So he said, we're going to go get some rest. And the people said, hey, it looks like they're crossing the lake. Let's go run around and meet them on the other side. And when they land, Christ didn't say, okay, guys. He said, we have to rearrange our priorities. Rest is priority. Now the multitude is priority. Soon feeding the multitude will be a priority. And resting again will become a priority. And Christ will separate himself to pray, and prayer becomes priority. And how many of you say, over the course of a day, I see how my priorities have to shift during the course of the day? And instead of getting frustrated with that, we simply have to say, you know what? The demands uh, of this morning are going to change by 3 o'clock this afternoon, and something else is going to become a higher priority that's probably not even on my list today. That's not a frustration. If that is a frustration for you, you're going to live frustrated. Because this life and the demands of this life constantly cause us to readjust. And there are some demands that simply need to be eliminated. Now, here's what's going to happen. Too many people try pleasing everyone. Your concern with your priorities ought to be to please God. And I, I feel bad when I came here. Uh, there was a wave that was going through the church of golfing. I say, preacher, do you, you have any problem with golfing? No, if you've got five hours to waste and a lot of money to spend and the desire for a tan and have no allergies, I guess it's a good thing to do occasionally. 
You say, are you, no, I'm not against golfing. I, I think people ought to do it more often. I actually feel bad because our guys used to actually golf occasionally. But God brought them a pastor who hates golfing. I would rather you tie me up to the back of a car and drag me around. I would have more fun doing that than participating in what you guys are planning. But in life, there are things that allow me to rest. For Pastor Robert, that is a great stress relief. For me, that is a great cause of stress. And all of us have to say, okay, what is it that keeps me restful and productive? Several years ago, I mentioned one of the things I I think that helped me the most uh, six or seven years ago. In, in trying to organize my priorities was an article I read about LeBron James, and it was speaking about resting in the game. Literally, it's one of those things I can't believe that changed a philosophy in me that helped me reconcile my duties and taught me how to truly be efficient and, uh, and, and, and balance life better. And in that article, it talked about how LeBron James was the greatest basketball player on the planet, but they did a little study concerning the steps that basketball players take on the court over the course of a game and how many miles they run. Now, I don't remember the exact miles, but I think they said over a typical game, uh, the average guard or forward would run uh, five to six miles, and LeBron James, being the best basketball player in the world, would run at least a mile or a mile and a half less than all the other basketball players on average. So they begin to study and they said, when he needs to work or jump or run, he exerts more force than anybody else his size. But when he doesn't, he finds a way to rest in between and rejuvenate and not overexert himself. So by the end of the fourth quarter, if they go into overtime, he's the strongest one on the court. And it helped me to say, okay, uh, I, I remember years ago when we came to Osman Spanish Church, there was no one day a week. We kept, pastor would come through, pastor, you need to have a day of the week off. And I kept trying to find a day of the week off. And the more I tried to find it, the, the more aggravated I be, became because of the impossibility. And that article taught me, you know what? In the midst of my responsibilities, I may not have a day off, but I can have an afternoon off. I can have a morning off. I can have an extended lunch. I can have two evenings off. You say, is that enough? I don't know what your schedule's like. I don't know what the demands are. But if we can learn, here, here's what I've learned even in sewing. I can rest in sewing if I take the right partners. Raul has picked up some additional responsibilities in the pulpit, and there are a lot of Tuesday nights, Spanish church. After Raul, you're, you're up Tuesday night. I can accomplish other things and have meetings between both churches. There's always a demand. There's always people to meet with. There are always, that it is endless as far as things that have to be done, uh, ministries being put together, meeting with people, counseling, whatever it is. But I can find a way, even through the restaurant that we choose to meet at, to rest in the game. Yes, sir. 
And life is about saying, okay, my body, my mind, my emotions can only take so much. So in the midst of this, here's what you're going to see the disciples. Christ is trying to teach them life is busy. There's no way to avoid it. And we're going to dedicate this time during our day to go rest. And guess what? How many of you ever decided we're going, to, we're going to take this time, we're going to go rest? And it was interrupted by people that did not know your plans. Don't get mad at them. If you really need to be resting, and that means you're going to have to turn off your phone. Don't get mad. Well, someone called me and I was trying to take a nap. You didn't turn off your phone. You didn't actually send your kids to the neighbor's. You've got to plan well enough to say, if, if I need uninterrupted rest, I'm going to so plan it to make sure it's uninterrupted, period. I know people, we're going we're to do this, we're going to take vacation, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a few business calls, and I'm going to, it literally took me years here. I, I thought for a while that between Gap City and Satan himself, there was a conspiracy to destroy my vacations, we had six, seven years, literally. Anything bad that was going to happen to the church is going to happen during vacation. Someone's going to cause a problem. Someone's going to leave the church. Someone's going to make an accusation. Uh, someone's going to get divorced. Whatever it was, it always happened to be. I was like, can you guys give me a break in 10 days? I mean, can you hold off 10 days, 10 days? You know what I did? At some point, I just said, you know what? They can leave me a voicemail. I'm not going to answer. I have my phone. I'm not going to answer Pastor, did you check your voicemail? No. I don't trust you. If I take a vacation, I actually need a vacation. I feel for my wife. We had all those couple retreats. Last year was the very first couple retreat. Well, I'd say two years ago. That she had a couple's retreat. It took me a decade to say, you know what? I can't save every marriage. I can't help every person. I can't host every preacher. I said, you know what, babe? You're going to have a husband this couple retreat. And we're going to go out to eat. And I ain't counseling anyone. And I ain't talking to anyone. And I ain't hosting anyone. You say, Pastor, that's so mean. That was 48 hours of peace. It was amazing. It was incredible. So be careful because a lot of times our complaints about not having a true moment of rest is on us because we leave the door open for the interruption that frustrates us instead of saying, if I truly need an afternoon or a day or three days or a week of it, whatever it is, I've got to set the parameters where I know this is an actual time of rest. Otherwise, in ministry, I guarantee you this, I know at least in our lives, if I don't make that commitment, it will be interrupted and God knows some of those times it's needed interruption and I'll go minister and help. But if I've not predetermined my mentality before that ever happens, there's frustration, anxiety, depression. And I can't minister the way I need to minister because I've said I need rest, but didn't set the parameters. And here's what Christ said. Okay, these people need help. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to delay because you can't keep people from running around the lake. And if they ran all the way here, they need help. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to postpone. Now, gentlemen, here's the best thing you can do for your marriage. Understand, women don't postpone as well as men do. Good thing these 12 were men, male, not female, 
or there would have been a riot on his hands. There would have been a local disturbance and some in the multitude might have been injured. <laughs> but when it comes to priorities, make sure that money is the lowest thing on the list. These disciples were tired. Now let me ask you this. Why were they tired? Why were they weary? It was all spiritual endeavors. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you were tired because of spiritual endeavors? Well, Pastor VBS, uh, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on for a second. I'm not talking about you worked 40 hours and then you hopped in here during the evening because I stuck around a couple evenings, I got tired. No, that's, you weren't weary because of spiritual endeavors. You were weary because you worked a 40, 50 hour week and threw in a couple hours for God. I'm, I'm talking about when was the last time you actually spent a Saturday for the sake of God and the sake of the gospel and when you finished, you said, I'm tired. I'm, I'm grateful. The, the people during vacation Bible school, I mean, the group of men that we had that took off and just came here and, and worked, the, the hit that that was financially, but you watched uh, Bobby and, and I, I can't even count all the men, David Dilworth, what, what they gave up financially, but leaving early, running these bus routes, taking care of kids, knocking on doors in the afternoon, coming back in the evening, what they made happen that's spiritually wearisome. You're dealing with the souls of men. You're dealing with the frustrations of, of setbacks. That's what the disciples were dealing with. And I hope uh, that your life, uh, occasionally you experience spiritual tiredness, not just the physical, emotional moments where you say, boy, I, my 401k took a big hit and I am emotionally spent. We're not going down that road. I just thought I'd mention it. Here's what I'd say, too. You know, this world talks about long hours. Here's what's crazy. This world will spend long hours in nothingness. Absolute nothingness. And feel like it was a great investment. And when you're, when you're investing in something that is spiritual, long hours should not be something that crushes you. Go with me to Matthew 11. I remind you of a true Bible principle. I'll tell you from experience, it is real, it is truth, it is God's word, it is reality. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's the average Christian, the average independent Baptist church. At least in the city, maybe not in the country, but at least in the city. You labor, you're heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Not the end of the chapter. We normally preach verses out of context. The context includes the following verse. Take my yoke upon you, and ye shall find rest in your souls. My yoke is he. Here's what Christ said. If you need rest, come take on my yoke. Take on a spiritual yoke. Church, that's why I've had people say, well, pastor, you're, you're pastoring two, two churches. Isn't that overly burdensome? No, the double life is overly burdensome. Because Spanish people always have a party on Friday or Saturday night. There is always a birthday party, a wedding anniversary. There is something. And the Johnsons are 106 years old, and they managed to go to every one. My Sabbaths are sacred. I'm half Jew. <laughs> my Saturday is my holy day. And from about 2 in the afternoon... Until I go to bed at night, 
That is separate. Now, that's untouchable. Don't tell me about your birthday party. Don't tell me about your funeral. If you die, you better wait till Sunday. <laughs> Pastor, preaching and teaching at least 10 times a week. I've got to have one separated time during the week where no one else touches, and that's my Saturday afternoon. But every single month, I'll have people come to me, well, Pastor, this is my birthday. You can make one exception. And I, with absolute heartlessness, look them in the eye and say, not a chance. But uh, you only turn 15 once. Celebrate on Friday and I'll be there. Celebrate on Thursday and I'll consider it. But if if that event falls on a Saturday afternoon, I just want you to know you're going to do it without your preacher. And it makes me happy. You know what? There has to be some boxes in life where you say, this is my time with God. This is my time for my responsibility. This is my time for my family. This is my time for my rest. Yes. Now, folks, I get frustrated. I say, uh, people have asked me, where's your office? I have three offices. My office is anywhere my car can park and I can find a coffee. Or, would, when you live uh, 30 minutes, 45 minutes that way, and you've got to study, it's, your office is wherever you need it to be, and that's not going to be a frustration. But there also has to be a box where you say, emotionally and physically, I cannot rest if I know my Saturday evening is not a protected spot for me and God. It ruined my whole week. And guess what? All of us have those protected spots where we say, you know what? I need this time of rest, or I need this time of study, or I need this time of soul winning. Put it in a box, and here's what I can't do. That, that box, I'd like for that box to be two nights. I'd like for that box to be 20 hours. I'd like for that. I'd love for that to happen, but reality will steal my joy if I don't accept. Here's what I can do, and here's how I can do it. Now, how many believe that where it says, take my yoke upon you? I will give you. How many believe that? This world's yoke is heavy. You know why everyone is begging for early retirement? This world's yoke is heavy. I don't care what company it is, what corporation it is, what business it is, what career it is. That yoke is heavy. Uh, Folks, I average 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And guess what? It's not heavy because it's his yoke. It's Praying for people, it's helping people, it's working with people, it's discipling people, it's preaching to people. That's totally, how, how can Brother Johnson, Ms. Johnson, carry the load that they carry? Because his yoke is easy. It's Nathan that's hard. It's a cattle company that's hard. Amen? Now, here's, while, while we're in this, I think, I think you can deal with a little practical teaching tonight, right? When we talk about rest, church, I don't think uh, I take enough time to highlight the importance of taking care of yourself physically. Now that I am uh, getting a little bit older, I'm not in the aged category yet, but I'm getting a little bit older. I look back and I say, I, I made a mistake. I've never loved junk food, but I don't eat healthy enough. I like to walk. 
I actually love to walk. Austin's weather doesn't always help me with that. I love treadmill. None of those things are an issue. But I look back at life and say, why wasn't I exercising earlier in life? Was it, why wasn't I paying attention? And, and folks, when it comes to simple things like blood pressure, cholesterol levels, diet, sooner or later, young people, I'm going to tell you a little secret. You will pay the price. Your body, there are natural laws of physics. You'll pay the price. In your health, you'll, you'll, your DNA may be better than someone else's. There are some people who just have good DNA. They age better. Their bodies last longer. But even if you have good DNA, it doesn't change the facts of life. And you're going to age and you can... You can speed that up or you can slow it down simply by the way you eat, exercise, and rest. And here's what I would do, young people. I would find people that emphasize health and hang around them because it'll motivate you. And you need to stay motivated to pay attention to your health. And people that don't care about their health, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring them real close to you in life because you'll begin to pick up those poor habits and then at 45, you'll begin to regret those habits. And at 50 and 55, you'll really regret those habits. And by 60, you'll be beating yourself up saying, why didn't I pay attention when I was 25 and 35 and could have done, could have done more? Amen. Life is about saying, I've got... I have to focus on my health because you can't serve God. You can't be the Christian you're supposed to be or the spouse you're supposed to be or the parent you're supposed to be. When you, when I don't care what your mind says, when your body says something different than your mind, you can't perform on the level you're supposed to perform. I don't care what your willpower is. I mean, we have people in here that, that, that stand, Brother Johnson with his pain levels, Brother Sullivan with his health issues, uh, Brother Rutt in the painting, you know, there, there are people just astound me what they're able to do despite what their health issues are on a daily basis. That motivates me. But at the end of the day, you're not Charlie Sullivan. If you feel like that, you lay in bed all day, every day, except Saturday. Then you'd get up and game. Go back to bed. And if you're not saying, I've got to find a way to rest and rejuvenate, and the best way to stay rested is by taking care of my body, and that means physical exercise, paying attention to a few key numbers in my health, and not jumping onto some medication because doctors are trying to push everyone to a medication. Church, let, let me help you. I just don't do this in the church service, but it's going to happen tonight. The best thing you could do when doctors try to steer you to medication is try the natural way first. Just try it first. 30, 60, 90, just try it first. Find someone else with cholesterol problems and see if they've taken anything that'll help them. Find something when it comes to blood pressure and see if it helped them before you go get on the medication. Because every doctor, every single doctor, they're going to try to push you on a medication that'll lead you to another medication. 
That's not going to help you rest. I look back with regret and say, I wish I, wish I would have paid more attention 20 years ago. I think there's some health issues I could have avoided had I simply paid a little bit more attention. So, verse 31, he said to them, come yourselves apart into a desert place. They go, it's interrupted. He, uh, now here's what happens. When you're worn out, verse 35, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place. Now the time is what? Far past. Send them away. Here's what happens. When you're worn out, it's hard to be what you're supposed to be because a worn out person doesn't care about what they cared about when they had more energy. It's hard to care about kids or a spouse or ministry when you barely have the energy to finish your day. And they were worn out. Their rest had been interrupted and they said, oh Lord, just do us all a favor. Send these people home because we don't really care about whether they're hungry or not. We're tired, they're hungry, so things are even. <laughs> Send them home. Done deal. Christ is a little more compassionate despite his tiredness. And he said, oh no, we're going to give them to eat. They did that. They did all eat. They were filled. Verse 45, look what it says, we'll finish. Straightway he constrained his disciples to get in the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Now hold on for a second. How was this restful cruise going to end? Come on, you guys have already read this chapter of your Bible. You know there's a storm here and the cruise didn't end so well and the ghost shows up and Peter sinks in the water. You know, the, come on. So where is their moment of rest? Now look what Christ did. Verse 46, when he had sent them away, what did he do? He departed into a mountain to pray. Now, church, we always have to say, I've got to address the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. I've got to, because you will only hurt yourself and then hurt others if you're not addressing all three. I have had friends commit suicide. Some attempt. Some quit ministry. Some quit marriage. Uh, some quit life. Uh, I've lived just long enough to see a little bit of everything. You know what happened? They reached the point of exhaustion. And it's never singular. It's never just emotional exhaustion. It's never just physical exhaustion. It's never just spiritual exhaustion. It's when there's a combination of all three. And when you reach a point in life where you're dealing with a real physical ailment, you need to be on guard because it affects the spiritual and the emotional. And everything's interconnected. If you're having emotional Struggles. Now, ladies, I'm, I'm speaking to you because more often than not, it's the woman that struggles emotionally. If you begin to struggle emotionally, there's probably a physical problem in the background, a DNA or exhaustion. 
And it's going to turn spiritual very quickly. And here's what we do. We tend to do, if you go to a doctor, he deals with everything as if it were physical. If you go to a Christian, they deal with everything as if it were spiritual. If you go to a psychologist, psychiatrist, they deal with everything as if it were emotional. You've got to say, I've got to deal with all three because if I ignore one part of that equation, you can read your Bible as much as you want to, but if you have high blood sugar, you're in trouble. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you're in trouble. And if you're not saying, okay, I'm going to deal with the physical and I'm going to figure out if, if that's going to a doctor, if that, this is the day and age, I don't know what it is in the American diet. If you go to every country, every country has its own unique set of issues. In Mexico, it's the appendix. We watch people die all the time. Appendix burst and people die. And it's just normal life in Mexico. You can be 18, 22, 36, or 432, doesn't matter. Uh, appendix and that bursting is just normal. And it has something to do with the diet in Mexico. Guess what the problem is in America? Thyroid. There is something in American diet. I don't know if it's plastics or a little, what, whatever. I don't care what it is. There is something. And if it's not hyperthyroidism, it's hypothyroidism. And if, if you don't deal with that, the secondary effects are endless. And it's everywhere. But here's what happens. Well, I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. It is not going away. Your blood sugar problems are not going away. That thyroid problem is not going away. And if you don't say, okay, this is going to turn into a spiritual problem because when I'm physically in the valley, I can't think right. I can't pray. I don't enjoy the book. I'm not getting anything out of church. I don't even want to be in church. I'm too emotionally, physically shot to even get anything out of a church service. Why would I go? You better come apart before you come apart. Church, here's what I want to encourage you to do. In life, you got to say, okay, i got to balance this. Quitting is not an option. It, it, stopping what I'm doing is not possible. You have kids. You have a family. You have a God. You have a man. It's not, you can't tap out. This isn't a wrestling match where you get put in an echo and you just tap out and say, okay, I'm done. I get to walk out and go home and call it a night. You guys say, okay, I've got to arrange things where I can properly address the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. So am I spiritually arrested? Here's what Christ said. I'm going to go apart and I'm going to pray. Let me ask you this spiritually. When was the last time you just separated yourself with God and you just took an hour, two hours, at the time that's needed, you got out of the house because the kid's going to interrupt your prayer. And you got away from your spouse, you turn off your phone, you stop paying attention to your emails, and you literally, you and God, uh, to get rejuvenated spiritually. If not, you're going to come apart. Because coming to church, wearing a tie, and playing the part doesn't mean you're not falling apart. And physically, the older you get, how many of you are over the age of 45? Would you raise your hand? I'm talking to you. Because guess what? You're no longer invincible. Your sciatic nerve is killing you. Your discs are bulging. Your thyroid is non-functional. You can't sleep at night. You injure yourself when you try to sleep at night. That's right. You pull a hammy thinking about a sporting event. And you've got to say, okay, I've got to pay attention physically 
I'm not going to feel perfect, but I can make sure that I'm slowing this down to some degree and I'm aging a little bit better. What am I doing to slow down the aging process and properly rest and then emotionally same? Okay, here's, here's one of the ways you rest emotionally. You better learn to forgive. You're not going to rest emotionally. You better learn to love. You're not going to rest emotionally. You better take care of yourself physically or you're not going to rest emotionally. So let me ask you tonight. Can you simply say, I need to tonight re-examine honestly where am I at physically, spiritually, and emotionally? How am I at? Where, where would you put it on a scale of 1 to 10? Am I rested spiritually? What's your number? If it's below six or seven, you got, you got problems you need to address. Where are you at emotionally right now? If you're below a seven, you got problems. And you have to address it or it's only going to get worse. It's not going away because you memorized the Bible verse. I'm thankful you did. But it's going to take a little bit more than that. Spiritually, where are you at? You say six or seven, you better address that because next thing you know, you're going to wake up and it's going to be a three. And here's what Christ did. He did the disciples' favor and said, okay, guys, we got to get apart and we got to rest and it's going to be interrupted, but we're, gonna, we're going to make this happen. Otherwise, you're not going to make it three and a half years with me. It's going to be a problem.